Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Heart of Sports with Jason Springer and Jeff Cohen. We are thrilled to join you on 610 ESPN, ready to help you move into the weekend talking about all the news in the world of sports. Jeff, the ball didn't bounce our way this week. Didn't bounce our way four, four times. times. <laughs> yeah. Um, we haven't well, been three on, times, technically, it did. We haven't been on the air since uh, the, the shot. Yeah. Uh, your reaction. It seems like so long ago, doesn't it? <sighs> I know. It's... It, <laughs> I posted the other day, and I've joked with you about this before, about the impact that Joe Carter's home run had on my sports development. Yeah. Well, you're a little older the, now. The loss a lot of, older The now. loss of in that game fit right in with those list of memories. <laughs> the the Patrick Kane shot in the Stanley Cup play, finals. The um, Rondé Barber, I think, is still running <laughs> to close out the vet. And Kawhi Leonard's shot just kept bouncing and bouncing that, and that fell in. That photo that the still photo when the ball is still bouncing and they have showing everybody in the corner and beads looking around the corner, Kawhi Leonard staring at it is one of the most amazing photos I have ever seen in sports. Amazing is one word, nauseating another. Well, no, but it, but it, it really, it's one of those moments people oh, will yeah, they're always remember. remember where they and were. And not just Sixers fans for, for right. bad things. Let's ask, uh, I believe we've got Mike O'Connor from The Athletic on. Mikey there? Yes, I am. So, Thanks for having me on, guys. So, Mike, were you there for this all? <laughs> I was not in Toronto, no. So, um, and and you know what? I'm kind of glad I wasn't. I was going to say, you were struggling at home like the rest of us, uh, but thankfully not there for that heartbreak. Um, your, exactly, yeah. Your thoughts, what... Okay, let, before we get to what's next and everything, what did we learn from this team in this series, other than the fact that they didn't have enough to get past the bounce of the ball there. I I think like once you get past kind of like the disappointment and the heartbreak of it all, I think when you look at it from a really broad level, you have to be impressed by what this team did. I mean, coming together and taking an unbelievable team to seven games and losing on a miracle shot from one of the best players in the world. I mean, it's just really impressive. And you have to keep in mind that, you know, this team just had no time to gel. They had a lot, and, and, and let's not forget, in this series, a lot of their worst fears came true, right? Embiid's health was an issue. Uh, ben Simmons, you know, continued to struggle in the playoffs. Uh, and yet, they still, and, and by the way, they also struggled a lot with their bench. Their bench was a huge issue, uh, especially with the backup, lack of backup center. Um, and yet, they still took this team to seven games, right? And I, I just think, in a very broad level, you have to be impressed with how quickly this team came together and how it all looked. And I think it should give everybody a lot of hope for the future if they're able to keep everybody together. Well, that, that was a big if. Uh, but wait, before you did say something that I wanted to go back to. You said the lack of a backup center. I would disagree mm-hmm. with you in that there there were plenty of backup centers. None that just play in the None series. that seemed to be able to play. <laughs> and, and I don't understand why... Justin Patton was let go while Amir Johnson sat on the bench or on his cell phone for the rest of the season. What was the point of keeping Amir Johnson here as and, and and cutting a guy who was under contract for next season that could have developed into a backup center for Joel Embiid? Um, well, Patton was not under contract next year. His contract expired at the end of this year. Um, but I will say I, Amir, Amir Johnson is really well-liked in that locker room really close with a lot of those guys. He's just been a good presence. There was a little uh, tidbit from Brett Brown that 
he had Amir uh, speak to the team before Game 7 because he's played in a couple of them over the course of his career. He's just a good presence, good veteran leader, um, and like I said, a really well-liked guy in that locker room. So, you know, I, and, and I hear your point. I mean, it's at the end of the day, Justin Patton's not a savior either, but it's just, a, it's just another guy. I mean, I think, they, I think they cut him when they picked up Greg Monroe, Yes. Who, I mean, was just awful in this series. Dreadful. So. <laughs> the the uh, when MB came off the court, it was staggering how much the team lost in terms of their ability to to give up points when he was not there. Um, I've got wait, a grumpy. I, I, wait, 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 wait. Right, I have ahead. a question about Greg Monroe. Is it true that no matter of the four remaining teams that were in the Eastern Conference, that Greg Monroe was going to get a ring, no matter who won? Yeah, that's correct. He. Uh... He started the season, I believe, with the Bucks, and then got cut and signed with the Raptors and then signed a 10-day contract with the Celtics and then finally ended up with the Sixers. That's so amazing. He's in line for a ring if, if the East wins. So he, he does well no matter what. <laughs> right? I got, I got a grumpy fan on the other side of the glass. He gets himself season tickets, and he goes to the game, and he's sitting there with his head in his hands, and he, he writes to me across the, the message board that 52 wins last year, 51 this year, and they didn't get out of the second round. And I don't believe that he couches that as Well, a you should have seen what he texted me. It was much oh, worse. Oh, I believe yeah. me. I, there's a reason why he's not on the air right now, <laughs> and he's just messaging. What do we say to fans who believe that this team didn't advance enough with the tools they had despite all those things, that they came together late and, and all the changes? Um, I think you would just have to say that the Sixers caught a tough break in um, – in, in catching Toronto in the second round. I mean, it's it's pretty clear to me that the Sixers were one of the five best teams in the league. And I, I think J.J. Redick said it really well that for the first time in a long time in his career, he felt like he was on a team that actually had a chance to win. Um, and like I said, in this series, you saw a lot of the Sixers' fears come true. I mean, if you have to think that if Embiid doesn't get sick twice, and is more of himself in Game Four. They probably win that game, and they go up three to one. Game Four to me it's is just, what cost them the series when when they when totally they agree. had to go back to Toronto at two two with the way the momentum swung. That yeah. was, you know, I was more surprised that they ended up making it what they did in Game Seven. When Jeff and I had talked about it before the the series started, I thought if the Sixers going to win it, it had to be in six. If they went back to Toronto, I just didn't see it happening. Um, you're your thoughts on okay so the season's done uh, right before the last game there was a report out that Brett Brown was coaching for his job right after the game ends Josh Harris comes out and says we're going to keep them all along they hold a press conference everybody loves each other they're coming back is is that what you heard all along that there was never a doubt whether Brett Brown was going to be back here I can't say that I heard anything one way or another um but I will say that just from like the sense I got just from like just the vibe of the team was that everybody was happy and everybody was getting along. And it really surprised me when that report came out that he was coaching for his job. Um, I think that I, I certainly think there was always a possibility that he would lose his job. Like if they lost this series in a really ugly way, like in four or five games, I, I don't think he would have survived. Um, but, you know, I, I think that Brett coached him, coached himself a decent playoffs. I mean, he made some quality adjustments. Um, and I think the biggest thing you know, the, the absolute worst thing that this franchise could do is upset their cornerstones, Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. 
And if those two guys are going to the media in their exit interviews and talking about how much they love Brett Brown, then it would be a mistake to fire him, period. One of the things I heard was that Jimmy Butler seemed to have a good relationship with him after all, too. Do you think that that was one of the key reasons that Brett uh, Brett Brown stuck around? I think possibly. Um, I mean, I I think that I do agree. I I think that Jimmy and Brett have had a good relationship uh, throughout most of this year. And, uh, and, you know, that's that's another thing that, that you sort of have to consider is, like, if the Sixers were to have fired him, I mean, going into free agency with three key free agents that you want to re-sign and just no certainty at all at head coach, I mean, what would those guys even be signing up for to come back to? They don't, They wouldn't even know. So especially if those guys had built sort of relationship with Brett, I think it's really it was really important to keep him. So so one of the things that I did notice when I was over at the practice facility when you were there was was that Brett Brown does seem to have a very good relationship with all of the players. The question that I have about that is is does he is is he going to be able to have the kind of relationship to have the hard conversations that he needs to have with his two stars? Ben needs to get in the gym and shoot a thousand times a day if that's what he needs to do to develop at least a mid-range jumper. And Joel, to be frank, needs to get in better shape. He needs if he he's going to have back problems, he needs to work on his core more. If he's going to have problems getting down the court, so he stops and settles for a three-pointer, he needs to build up his stamina. Is Brett Brown going to be able to say to them, "This is what you need to do"? Yeah, it's it's hard to say, and and you know that's that's a point that a lot of people bring up is that you know Ben Simmons' jump shot has just made absolutely zero progress, and you know you brought up Embiid's conditioning. I mean, that's just something that's lingered for a while. And at the end of the day, it's on both of those two guys more so than anybody else. But I do agree. You know, it's hard to look at it and say that you know Brett has really gotten through to them on those things because then we would see proof of it. Um, but you know, it's, it's, it's just tough to know exactly what goes on behind closed doors when, in those conversations, because, you know, it's possible that, that Brett does talk a lot about, Hey Ben, I want you to take this elbow jump shot. And he just goes on the court and doesn't do it. Um, so it's, it's hard. It's really hard to say, but I do hear, you know, we do not see the the results of, of what you're talking about there. I thought one of the areas that we did see improvement this year was Ben's defense. Um, and people can talk Absolutely. about Kawhi's scoring in the playoffs, but when Ben was on him, when Ben guarded D'Angelo Russell in the first round, uh, you really saw what you were hoping to get out of him. So, you know, I don't want to be totally negative about it, but along the lines of what can Brett ask of them, Ben obviously practices with his brother, and, and he has his team around him. During the season, we saw reports of maybe he'll work with Magic Johnson, and at the time it was... Well, he's with the Lakers that he just not stealing anymore. him. He's not with the Lakers now. And so what do you think the ability of the Sixers is? They're obviously not going to break him working with his family, but to bring in additional people around them to work with him to try to, you know, I, I go back and forth. You know, you and Jeff have watched him more, Simmons more in practice than I have. I've watched him pregame. It's not that he can't shoot. It's a hesitancy to shoot in the game. It's not the prettiest shot in the game. But he can shoot. He just doesn't want to. I don't know if it's that he thinks that he has a better chance of distributing it to somebody who has a better shot percentage. He just likes making the pass, but he seems to defer more 
as opposed to taking that shot. So what is a reasonable expectation for improvement from Ben Simmons? And, and what role do you think the Sixers can play in getting some other people in that team? Yeah, well, first I want to say one thing about his defense. I thought that was a really good point you brought up uh, because I think I think that Ben's improved defense is probably the biggest feather that Brett Brown can put in his cap um, because Ben Simmons was an awful defender in college, absolutely terrible, didn't buy in at all, and he gets the Sixers, and all of a sudden he's got, like, all, all defense team potential. And I think that Brett deserves a ton of credit for getting him to buy in. Um, but anyway, back to his jump shot. I think – there was an interesting uh, tidbit, I think Zach Lowe reported it, that the Sixers track uh, Ben's three-point shooting in practice. And apparently in scrimmages um, that we don't always get to see, Ben does take three-pointers regularly. And they said he shoots a little bit below 30%, um, which is not good, which is not good. But it's, it's, it's something that might be worth it. I mean, Joel Embiid shoots 30% and guys bite on his pump fake, right? So... Isn't it just it's about something. keeping defenses honest, though? Well, like, and, and, and even mm-hmm. if it's not shooting the three-pointer, just having a mid-range game so he can pull people like, out of the key. Yeah, like I always compare it to, to football with running a play-action pass when you don't actually run the ball. Nobody bites on the play-action. They don't believe it. Like, if you're not going to at least show the potential to shoot, forget about whether you can hit it or not. There's no reason for them not to back in and pack it in and prepare for your drive or your pass. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and with him and like the best example of that is with Embiid. I mean, he, like I said, he gets guys, guys fly by him all the time. He shows that super slow pump fake that I don't know how anybody believes it's, it's going to be. An actual <laughs> I say that every time and I'm they a... go flying by. Um, it and mu- he's it must look too, and he's able to, to drive to the rim. Imagine what Ben Simmons could do. It, it must look different like when you're right in front of him because sitting at the game, you just sit there and go, why are they jumping? You know, just keep your feet on the ground. Well, I know. And- you know what I honestly think it is? Because I've thought about this a lot. I think the reason that people bite on his pump fake is because Embiid's shot looks aesthetically good. Even if it doesn't always go in, it looks like he has good touch and guys are afraid of it. But if Embiid had like this wonky, crazy motion, I don't think guys would bite as much. Yeah, if that's he had, my, if he had Boban's shot, they wouldn't be biting near as much. Right. I mean, we, we talk right. about Embiid. You know, what can we expect from him this offseason? He's, he's going to be uh, traveling with the NBA internationally after the season. Um, it, you know, ben was, or Brett Brown was asked a lot in the press conference uh, wrapping up after the season the other day about uh, having Embiid at the top of the key, and, and I, I heard him say it, he doesn't talk about it often, but he said, you know, his health is part of the reason why he's not down on the blocks, picking up fouls and, and taking a beating down there. And and so what are they going to be able to do to try and strengthen him with the commitment he's already got so far in the offseason? I mean, if he's spending June traveling with the NBA, these guys are back at it end of August, beginning of September. What chance is he going to have to really recuperate and rest his body? Yeah, uh, that's a good question. I, I mean, he'll have to find time, but the biggest thing, it, more so than rest even, is getting his body in good shape. I mean, it, it really is kind of startling to look at, you know, what he looks like now versus what he looked like in college or even what he looked like in his first year playing. I mean, he was so much more limber, and he was just he was just able to move so much better. Um, I think I think his weight, like, that really has to be a focus for him is he has to get his weight down a little bit um, or, or at least just trade some 
some beef or some fat for some muscle, right? Like he's just got to get a little bit more trim and that'll help his knees. Um, that'll help his back. It'll help everything. His ankles. Yeah. His feet. It, it, it all, it all's going to get better. The, the more shape that he's in. Let's talk about who comes back. Um, last night, Jimmy Butler posts on Instagram, thanking everybody. And all of a sudden NBA Twitter goes crazy that he's leaving the Sixers. Um, well, Mike seems like somebody who would overreact. <laughs> it's uh, yeah, calm, calm us all down. Can uh, can we talk about uh, Jimmy Butler and then JJ Redick and Tobias Harris uh, of those three, the likelihood that they come back and and what you think this team is going to try and do now going forward? Yeah, well, first off, I love the frenzy that that Twitter went into <laughs> after Jimmy Butler posted oh that, my like God. as if. As if Jimmy Butler would announce that he's leaving six weeks before free agency via Instagram. What's he supposed um, to do? Not say thank you? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I, I do. I do think it was a, a strangely worded thank you, but it yes. was just a thank you for the series for the season, rather. Um, but yeah, I, I think that you know the Sixers can pay Jimmy Butler and Tobias Harris more money than anybody else, and that can that can really talk sometimes. So, so, but then the I question, think, but the question is, 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 do the Sixers want to pay all of that money? Jimmy is going to be one of the older free agents. So, do you want? Right. Uh, do you think? I mean, Jimmy seems like a guy who's who's going to work out and be in shape. But the question is, do you want to sign him to that max deal with that extra year that the Sixers can pay him, knowing that he's going to then be in his mid thirties at the end of this? Would you do it if you were so, the GM? Yeah, I would, because the thing is, it's it's certainly going to be an overpay. There's no doubt. I mean, Jimmy Butler at 35 years old is not going to be worth $43 million, of course. We all know that. But the thing is that that's a price you have to pay if you want to contend for a little while. And it's a similar situation to like what the Rockets did with Chris Paul when they signed him to this ma- this massive deal. And it's like, of course, when he's 37, he's not going to be worth $40-some million dollars. But what you're paying for is the chance to contend for the first three years of that deal, right? Um, so it, it's it, it like I said, this this happens throughout the league where not every guy, of course, most guys that don't get a, excuse me, most guys that get a max contract aren't actually worth that much money. But it's just a price you have to pay to to have your team in that position. Like it's the same thing with Tobias Harris. Like if maybe he's not worth thirty million dollars. But you're not going to be able to get a guy who's, you know, $13 million a year who's going to do what he can do. And so, of course, his contract is going to be an overpay, but you have to do that to, to just to contend for the first few years of that deal. Um, so I, I think I think if I were the GM, I would absolutely give them both the, the max deals that they'll get. And, and let's be honest, with the turnover that this team's seen, only three of the eight guys that were in Brett's rotation in Game 7 against Toronto were on this roster at the start of the year. So everybody mm-hmm. talks about how he's been here six years. He hasn't been coaching this team for six years. So, you know, you can say what you want about Brett, his his shortcomings as people perceive him, but I don't understand how people think that a team turned him off. Factually, I thought that he coached some of his best coaching in the playoffs this year. He covered up for some of the challenges that his team had and his players had. Like you said, Toronto exposed every fear that Jeff and I talked about in this series, going back to during the end of the season when we kept saying, well, we don't want to have to play Toronto. 
So, you know, I just think that Brett Brown, although I'm critical of him sometimes, I really thought that in some games in this series you are? that he outcoached Nick Nurse in some games. And But for Kawhi Leonard, you're, not, you're seeing a different result. And I'm not sure what else the Sixers really could have done uh, other than, you know, <clears throat> try to get a little closer to the shot on the last one in that series. Stop him. All right. So now, yeah. so let's now get to the, the, the next issue. Who are you going to go out and fill the rest of the bench with? Because there's there's a lot of uh, we we know that if we get back the core four, that the starting rotation is great. The question is, who do you go out and fill it with, especially to back up Ben Simmons at the point and Embiid at the five? So I think the the first <clears throat> the first thing is. I would expect uh, Mike Scott to be back um, because the Sixers can go over the cap to retain him. And I think he played pretty well throughout his time here and he's definitely well-liked in that locker room. Um, So I would expect him to be back. I think outside of him, just from returning guys, you're looking at hopefully Zaire Smith takes a step up, hopefully Jonah Bolden improves, um, guys like that. Uh, And then in free agency, you have to go out and get guys like, you know, undervalued backup centers like an Ed Davis or a Robin Lopez, just serviceable guys who are not Greg Monroe. Um, just anybody that's, that, that is not that type of backup center. Um, but, yeah, and then you brought up the whole issue of backup point guard. I thought it was interesting in the playoffs, the Sixers were really, really good with Jimmy Butler playing the backup point guard. Just been begging uh-huh. for that all season. He yeah, was but, but so I'd like excited. Him to be, yeah, but I'd like him to be the starting point guard unless Ben develops a shot. If Ben doesn't want to develop a shot or can't, I'd rather have him at the four. Well, yeah, I mean, at, at a certain point, like, it all meshes together. You know, like in the playoffs even, a lot of the possession started with Jimmy Butler bringing the ball up the mm-hmm. court. And Ben Simmons just hanging out on the baseline um so does that make ben less aggressive though it seems like sometimes when he has his the ball in his hand coming up the court is when you see him aggressively attack the lane and when he goes to what you know i guess they call it the dunker spot down there mm-hmm. on the baseline it, he's more passive waiting for it to get to him as opposed to active really kind of helping the play develop is that is that just my naive eyes watching it no i think i think you're spot on but I think the thing is that is just that Jimmy Butler is a better half court creator right now. So it doesn't matter if Ben Simmons has the ball. It doesn't matter how aggressive he is. Jimmy Butler is just a better option to be running your half court offense through. I mean, that's as you know, a lot of people wouldn't like to admit that, but I just I just think that's the case, and that's why Jimmy gets the ball. So. All right, we'll we'll leave the Sixers there for a few minutes. Uh, did any surprises out of the NBA draft? The Pelicans get the number one pick. Uh, there were no tears <laughs> shed here in Philadelphia for the Knicks getting the three and the Lakers getting the four. Do you think that there was ever a draft where more people laughed after the first ball was picked? There was there was celebration from anybody who wasn't a Knicks <laughs> fan when the Knicks got the the three. Um, your reaction to the NBA draft lottery? Um, I am excited to see what New Orleans does. I think it's really interesting. And I, I, I just think it's strange that Anthony Davis would still want to be traded. I mean, Zion and Drew Holiday 
and him could be a really good team. And at a certain point, if he wants to leave that because he doesn't have enough help, I mean, at what point can we criticize him for that? I mean, that's kind of ridiculous. Well, yeah, you but, give, but there's an issue with I, that. He And it's, it's a self-created issue. The problem with him is, is can he go back now? He, he basically sat out the second half of the season pouting about not being traded. Is, is he going to be accepted in New Orleans if he steps back on the court? I Maybe not at first, but Anthony Davis is so good. Nobody's going to be crying that he's playing basketball for their team. Championship um, titles would heal all wounds, I guess. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> it's, but uh, uh, I, I would just – I think if, if Anthony Davis still demands a trade from New Orleans, I mean, it's just like – at what point is it enough help, you know? I mean, I just think I think if you gave Joel Embiid a team of Zion Williamson and Drew Holiday and role players, that's a that's probably the fourth best team in the East. Like pretty much. I, I don't understand I don't understand at, at what point can we can we just say like Anthony Davis, come on man, you got you got enough help. It will be something that is interesting to watch going forward. We'll definitely Look for your stories in The Athletic and, and follow your coverage as the draft gets closer in free agency and uh, hopefully get you back on uh, sometime in the future. Sounds great, guys. Thanks a lot. I appreciate you having me on. Thanks so much, Mike. Have a great weekend. Always appreciate your time. All right. You too. All right, Jeff. Um, so I have, a, I have a bigger ridiculous question that I keep hearing, which is, is Zion Williamson going to go back to Duke? No, his stepfather said he's not going to go back yeah, to Duke. Yeah, no, That's but ridiculous. forget where, where... Why would you ever go back to college because you want to play for the Knicks? First of all, why would anybody want to play for the Knicks at this point? But second of all, next year, the Knicks could tank and lose every single game. They're still only assured of being one of the three best odds of getting it. And could have the same thing happen. So what's Zion Williamson going to do? Keep going back to Duke until the Knicks get get a ping pong ball? He'll get a degree. Well, <laughs> <laughs> he, might, he might get a master's and a PhD by the time the Knicks get the first pick. Jeff, I wanted to um, also offer my condolences to Two. your Michigan basketball team on the loss of your coach. Uh, John Beeline headed to the Cleveland Cavaliers. You see, now... Yeah, and, and now they've lost their one of their top prospects, uh, come, incoming guys for next year because of it. But do you think he was just sick of the college scene? Yeah, I do. I, I think like you kept saying how he was a different kind of coach and did it the right way, and he just seemed frustrated well, by well, what the think NCAA about turned it. into. It, it, recruiting is hard enough. It's it's all season. The second you're done with coaching for five months or whatever it is, you get on the recruiting trail, and you're at a disadvantage to guys that cheat. And now not only are you at a dis- disadvantage to coaches that cheat, now you got to deal with the sneaker companies that are that are moving pieces around, moving these kids around to different schools. And you got to ask yourself, do I want to put up with this? Now, keep in mind, when you get to the NBA, it's a whole different set say, of is, problems. Is his, he's a culture guy. And, and one of the things that they said was that Cleveland bought into his idea of the culture. Is he going to be able to bring that culture? Is that going to work? I don't know. You still have NBA? you still have that kind of crazy owner there. Um, but you know, I forgot, believe it or not, that Kevin Love was still on that team because he was injured most of the season. He's the perfect beeline player. He's a stretch 
four guy can shoot from far away, can play under the basket. And I so you think you should put Kevin Love on your fantasy basketball team next year. I, if he's healthy, I would definitely put him on your fantasy basketball team. I don't play fantasy basketball. You know how I feel. Get about on it, that. Jeff. But but I'm telling you, he is definitely somebody because Beeline will build around that. And I think that might have been one of the attractions for Beeline. Other, the other attraction was he didn't want his family to have to move. And so Cleveland's only a couple hours from Ann Arbor. Stay. Yeah. Yeah. Are you watching the NBA playoffs ongoing? I know your son's yeah. a Giannis fan. Uh, Milwaukee's up one nothing over Toronto game two tonight. Anything surprise you so far? No, but uh, it, the only thing that surprises me again is is our is our group of people, the media people, in that everybody has overreacted to the series is over because this is Milwaukee that people Milwaukee did not blow them out, right? No. And it was at Milwaukee. They're expected to win home games. So I don't understand. It may well turn out to be a blowout, but you can't make that decision based on what happened in game one. And I thought it was a pretty good game. And it's, I mean, it's a lot of talent on the court at the same time. Did you stay up late last night and watch Golden State Portland? No. You missed uh, no. a really good game. A um, shocker, and Golden State won. Nah, but Portland was up eight with four minutes left, and Golden State went on a 10-0 run. It's because Golden State's and just toying with It was so now. much fun, though. Uh, Seth Curry was on the foul line, and Steph Curry was trying to jinx him. <laughs> I just enjoyed seeing the brothers on the court together in such a high-pressure situation of the NBA playoffs. I don't know how I feel about that. That's, <laughs> I, was, that was I don't know if I to, that's cool. That was why I wanted to see if you watched it, because you're a traditionalist, and you don't want somebody to be bothered like that. No, so I, didn't I, I don't think that's cool, especially that with your brother. Right I mean, look, you always try to get an edge. but yeah. From Come a on. Sixer standpoint, yeah. uh, Sixer veteran Andre Iguodala, with the big strip again on Damian Lillard, mm-hmm. with very little time remaining, so he couldn't get the shot off. So Iguodala he has, continues. He has to, had a great career there. He has. He, Kevin Durant looks like he's going to be out to at least Game Five of that series with a calf oh, injury. I, do you really think he's going to play in this series? No, I don't. Yeah. Um, First already, of all, I don't know if it'll get to a Game Five. Yeah, they've already said it's not going to. He's not going to Portland, yeah. and I think they're going to lose a game in Portland at least one and get back to the question. Though is, I know this sounds weird, but are they better? without Kevin Durant because they seem to be now I don't know if they could do a full full season because they're older now but they they seem to play looser when he's not on the court when they go back to their old role I'll let people ponder that in the car as we head to the break when we come back we've got Phillies we've got horse racing PGA championship what do you mean the car they could be on the beach right now they could be on the beach stick with us and when we come back you can tell us where you are Sports lets people live their dreams, overcome obstacles, and achieve goals. But what's your unimaginable? Do you want to be a part of something bigger than yourself? To push your limits? The A Fatty Clothing brand believes we're all capable of going far beyond we previously imagined. To overcome your obstacles and achieve your goals. Life gives you the chance to push harder, to dream bigger, and to do whatever it takes to conquer the unimaginable. And to do it with A Fatty on you, the original street leisure clothing brand. Taking you into the weekend with the latest news in the world of sports. With the biggest names on and off the field. It's the heart of sports each and every Friday at 4 p.m. on 610 ESPN. With former players, reporters, and commentators like Adam Schefter, John Runyon, Keith Jones, Trey Thomas, and Doug Glanville, Jason Springer and Jeff Cohen cover the agony and ecstasy of fandom while weaving in conversations about the impact of sports on society. That's the heart of sports, Fridays at 4 p.m. Welcome back to the Heart of Sports on 610 ESPN. I'm Jason Springer here in studio with Jeff Cohen. 
All right, Jeff, let's talk some baseball. The Phillies are still in first place. They're 24-19 now after last night's loss. They're a game and a half up on the Braves currently. The Phillies and the Braves are the only teams above 500 in the East. Can I thank you? For? For, for saying that out loud because everybody I run into on the street comes up and says, hey, what's wrong with the Phillies? Well, there are things that are wrong with them. But no, but they're in first place. Overall, they're still so in nice first place. So it's nice to hear a reminder of, hey, by the way, they are in first place. I'm glad that you gave that credit because now I'm going to go to. In their last <laughs> 10 games, they're just 5-5. Five and five. And over their last three, oh, they, were out, they were outscored 22-6 to six right. in their last three. All uh-huh. right. So um, where do you want to go? Health of the pitching staff. Yeah. Uh, bats in the lineup. What's where, wrong with the health of the pitching staff? Well, Vinny Velasquez is now on the IL, which right. I know we don't want to begrudge somebody's health, but you're not mm-hmm. totally disappointed that Velasquez isn't in the starting line. Uh, look, I don't, he, I don't want it to be a long-term injury. No. Uh, the question is whether this turns out to be a good thing for him and the team in that they finally move mm-hmm. him to the bullpen. And, and they could do it under the suggestion that look it's better for you at this point you've had a, you've had some arm issues this will be able to preserve your arm by having you pitch less innings i have marveled at your ability over <laughs> our near three years now doing this show to come up with ways to try and cajole Vinny velasquez to pitch out of the bullpen <laughs> it's in your best interest for your health to throw out of there it has nothing to do with the fact uh, that you are a five the lawyer in me actually that, came up with that one yeah sorry. that was i was impressed that you that you did that but what happened is somebody who we've talked to a few times on our high hopes phillies minor league rundown which you can catch every and there Thursday was a great article on him here today. on the station yes about gaming uh mm-hmm. cole irvin Pitcher from the Lehigh Valley Iron Pigs came up, and not only did he get the call up and pitch, he pitched a gem. He really did. He pitched his Mm -hmm. game. He is not the type of pitcher that will overpower you. He will pitch. Sometimes his different pitches are the same speed. Mm -hmm. Um, But he baffled hitters, and he's back on the mound again tonight. Your reaction to, one, seeing somebody who we've talked to so much get that opportunity up there, and two, how he performed that day. That day was amazing um, to deal with that kind of pressure, and he has been waiting for a while for that call. I mean, we've talked to him. He's a patient guy, but you could tell he thought that there were opportunities for him to come up last year, and he finally got that opportunity, and he did not disappoint. Um, whether or not he continues that will obviously to be seen. I can't wait to see how he does in his second start. Um, but if he can continue to pitch, not like that. He's not going to pitch like he I, did in I the first game I figured you'd end up day. going to tonight's game. I didn't think you had tickets going in, but I, I thought actually, you would get them so you could see I Claire actually really them. wanted to, except I got to get up at 5 o'clock in the morning to drive up to the to Beth Page for the PGA Championship. We'll get there so, next. We'll get um, there next. But I think he is – think about how much better the entire pitching staff becomes if Eikhoff and Eflin and um, – Irvin continue to do well, and they have done well, except for this week has been kind of rough. Up yesterday. Right. <laughs> but for the most part, they've been very good. If they continue that way, and you move Pavetta, who could, th- if he's only throwing an inning or two, can throw close to 100 miles an hour, and you have Velasquez, who pitches an inning or two, how much better is that bullpen? And how much better does it make the entire team? Look, you've been saying this for years, so yeah. I'm not going to... So, but, but I think their options are better. I think their pitching staff is better this year. And then the question is, is how do you improve this team more? You may not have to go out to do much more at that point. 
I still think that we're we're going to have the who's the starting quarterback problem here in that we're about to have Kingery come back. Kingery just spent a couple of days at Lakewood. He's now at Reading. Uh, he'll be playing there tonight after our show. Um, and so he should be back. Which you can catch the, here on 610 ESPN. Yeah. And so he should be back um, within the next week. And if he comes back in the next week, then the question becomes, what do you do with you have the Caesar Kingery problem again? And here's my problem with Caesar. Caesar has games where he just what for whatever reason they're Oduble games. I was Brain say, switches off. And and what happened the other day to Jake Arietta? He makes some of the dumbest plays for a smart player I have ever seen. He had a he had a ground easy ground ball that was a double play ball and he just looked at second and didn't throw it. <laughs> and then he looked at first and then ball got caught, caught in his glove and and he didn't get it to first in time and instead of a double play, he got no outs which was then followed by um Sean Rodriguez, who should never ever sure who I ever play third base again, who who missed the ball that he should have gotten, or at least let it go so that the shortstop could get it. And then there was another play with the bases loaded, where he gets the ground ball and he runs to third base but doesn't step on it, and then throws it to home. They get the guy at home, so all they got was one out, and it was just. And every and the look on Jake Arrieta's face, <laughs> like I would not have wanted to be in that locker room after. If only he was mic'd up during the game, <laughs> that that would have been uh, special. All right, uh, this is your weekly talk me down from the Bryce Harper ledge segment, Jeff. Mm-hmm. Um, the good, he leads the National League in, with thirty one walks. Yeah. The bad, his batting average is two twenty two. He's tied for the most strikeouts in the National League at fifty four through forty games. Uh, he's got. 39 strikeouts and just 19 hits from April 13th to May 13th. I, he's Bryce Harper. He has slumps. Every baseball player has slumps. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm going to preface what I'm saying with that. Does he need a day off? Yes. Uh, <laughs> I'm not sure why he hasn't gotten one. <laughs> so we went from last year where Gabe had, like, there wasn't two days in a row he had the same lineup, right? To this year, he wants to just plug and play and just keep everybody in the same spots. But why wouldn't you give him a day off? It's not like you don't have a fourth outfielder there. Nick Williams does need to get some work because he can't just sit on the bench rusting. So why not just give him... In fact, I would give him a couple days off just so he's not pressing, if for no other reason. And by the way, I was at the game the other night where he slid into the wall twice. The first time he slid... I don't know if you saw on TV... The first time he slid into that Smacked wall, he that stayed wall hard. He stayed down. He hit his knee hit and that when he got up, he hard. was wobbly. And and I I heard an entire stadium just go, <gasps> mm-hmm. and, and it was just this. That was then, the game that they booed when Bruce Willis spiked the first pitch, right? No, no, no. That, that was the other game. Yeah, no, that, the, yeah, Bruce Willis. I don't even sure why Bruce Willis. He's not a Philly <laughs> guy, is he? Is he here filming in a movie? Why do you ask me questions on the air that you know I won't know the answer to? Just ask me before the show. I don't know. I thought this maybe, way I can say, I don't know, don't movie. ask me on the air. Maybe he's doing another M. Night Shyamalan movie. Um, but uh, no, I mean, I just, you saw Kaplan. But, but well, well, let me finish my point. So the second time he slides into the wall, everybody's like, no, as he's sliding into the wall. And he gets an incredible ovation. He's up the beginning and the next inning. He strikes out. And he gets booed. The same people <laughs> boo him. And you hate the boo to begin with. I don't get it. You're not a boo. You're not a boo guy. Yeah. And look, I mean, he's. it's not like he's not putting in the effort. 
In fact, I think he's pressing a little too hard. That's what I think what's going on. Up That's why the, I think a couple days off to clear plate. your head is definitely worth it. Are we going to see Gabe shuffle the lineup? You mentioned oh, last year no. he didn't have the same lineup back-to-back days. We saw yesterday. Who do you want to shuffle? Well, yesterday he moved Harper to two and had Segura at three. Mm-hmm. No, no, um, no. He moved Cesar up in the lineup. Uh, are are you you don't like any no. of these solutions? Well, no. Here's why: because I have said since before the season started that years from now we are going to look at the, all of their signings this year from trades and from a free agent, and the person who will end up meaning the most if they win a championship Segura. is going to be Segura. Yeah. Not because I say he's the best player, because he tees up the rest of the lineup. Having McCutcheon up there, even when McCutcheon's down to about two thirty. But he's still walking at a, at a great rate. So he's getting on. Segura is batting 300 and gets on base and moves runners. He is a true hitter. He reminds me, and I'm not saying he's as good. He just reminds me as a hitter of Tony Gwynn. I always love when people preface a insane comment they're going to make. Well, by, no, I'm not saying no, he's I'm, this. I'm saying this. he's the same <laughs> kind of hitter. He He's a thinking man's hitter, and he seems to be able to get it done and will the ball in the right places. And those two guys set up the rest of that lineup. So I don't want to mess around and put Caesar, who seems to swing at the first pitch, in there. And, because by the time you get to Harper, the pitcher's usually th- thrown 10 to 12 pitches. And I think that that's important for teeing up getting Harper RBI shots and getting Hoskins RBI shots in Real Muto. So I don't want to, I don't want to mess with the top of the lineup and also then sacrifice the bottom of the lineup. I think that you leave everybody where you where they are, and then when you put in different players, put them in that spot and just keep everything the way it is. And people, you know, we talk about, especially with bullpens, is now everybody's being moved around. Bullpens always get guys got comfortable when they knew their roles, and batters do the same. Thing. Know your role, right? Well, I think it's important to know your role and to be able to get in the right framework at a right time. And I think that messing with that is a bad idea to tinker with. Are we going to get another run here or another run there? They start a weekend series tonight at Citizens Bank Park against the Rockies. Then after that, they head out on the road for two series against the Cubs at Wrigley and the Brewers at Middle Miller Park. We saw what the Brewers just did to them, so we'll see what the record Now, is. I'm okay, by the way, and, and I actually encourage people to boo every time Ryan Braun comes to this park and plays. And not just because he kills the Phillies every no, time he comes he's up? No, because he's a... Because he's a slime ball. Okay, we'll leave okay. that there. Um, you are waking up early tomorrow, Jeff, yeah. and you are traveling to Bethpage Black. I am so excited. I was going to say, how excited yeah. are you to catch some PGA Championship? Right now, Brooks Kepka is at 9-under uh, mm-hmm. through his... Second day, still out on the course. Tiger Woods is three over, uh, plus one on the day. Um, you got to be like little kid excited right now. I've been to that course one time before, and it rained. It was for the U.S. Open in 2009. It is an absolutely gorgeous course. You're not um, going alone this year, though. Well, no. I'm, t- I'm taking my son, um, who also uh, caddies when he's not in school, and I'm going with a, a, a real caddy in our last week's guest, Ali Horowitz. And I'm also hoping to spend a little time with Pratima, who is the person we talked about last year who was featured on 60 Minutes uh, as having grown up in Nepal in a shack and learned how to play golf and is now in the United States making her way to the women's store. Uh, Make sure that security doesn't come at you for anything that you do out there on the course. I know how you like to run across and make a scene. 
Um, so try not. To no, I'm not in... one of those guys who yells "Baba Booey" on the course. Really, you're not that guy. No, hit it long. <laughs> I always, I the guy who annoys, or, or or the guys that yell "It's in the hole" from when <laughs> someone tees off. <laughs> <laughs> That's gonna be you back there. You're gonna be on TV. You know, gonna it's gonna be like somewhere. that. It's New York, so. It's different than playing golf anywhere else. Um, I will look forward to your pictures, and uh, I want an update on next week's show about everything you saw out there and, and what the galleries are like, because those New York galleries are mm -hmm. different than a traditional PGA crowd that they get out there. Yeah. It's like when they had it out here in Philly. D different to word for it. Yeah, they're not quiet at mm -hmm. all. Um, do you want to talk horse racing at all? We can spin the, the sports world wheel. It's the first time in... To? First time in t like 23 years yeah. that the top three, the winner of the Kentucky Derby and other horses are not going to race in the Preakness. Which top three? Well, the, the, the top three that actually finished or the top three that they changed the results to? Um, you know <laughs> the answer to that, Jeff. Here's the, pro here's the problem with horse racing, because I love horse racing. The, the problem with it is, is that it is so geared towards only three races, right? The Triple Crown. And they're to me, they're cramped way too close together. I think that they should be spread out more so that the horses could have more rest. But you have these three races, and it once a horse doesn't win the first two legs, the, th the Belmont just gets pushed aside. You now have a situation by doing what they did in the Kentucky Derby where nobody's going to accept that horse, the, the horse they ultimately found to have won, to be a real triple crown winner. So you've taken out the excitement of whether there will be a triple crown this year. And I think that it greatly detracts from horse racing for this six-week period now. Uh, the owner of the DQ'd horse, Maximum Security, has Very issued queen. a multi-million dollar challenge. In a statement Friday, he said he would pay each of the owners $5 million if Country House, War of Will, Long Range Toddy, or Bodie Express finishes ahead of Maximum Security in the next race against him through the end of the year. But he's not racing in the next race. He's still not the Kentucky Derby champion. I know, but it, but he's not racing this weekend, right? No. He's, well, not, he's so, in Monmouth Park now. So, he's in Jersey. So <laughs> I don't understand. I it, is, is it going to be at the Belmont? What's the deal? I'm just letting you know what's going on And it's a there. different length race. So It, it is a different length race. Yeah. Are you, so, you going to watch? No. You're not interested at all now. It's tomorrow. Yeah, but it's like six thirty tomorrow. It's not you're going. I'm going to be at a golf early. course early. No, I'll still be there. You know they stream these things online now. There are these things called phones, and they stream apps. I know. I watch the Kentucky Derby on my phone at the Phillies game. Could do the same thing for the Preakness if you were truly interested in horse racing. Clearly, you're not. Okay. <laughs> are, are you trying to to question my bony fides when it comes to horse racing? I would never. Do that. I just feel free. I just wanted you to say the word bony fides on the <laughs> on the air right there. Uh, are you staying up and watching the NHL playoffs? No. Okay. Well, you didn't really miss anything in the no Bruins Canes series. Uh, the the Canes got swept four to nothing. Did they do a little dance at the end like they were doing all season? No, but they held their sticks up for the fans and the, okay. and good for the Carolina fans. They mm -hmm. gave them a nice reaction. Uh, but there was some controversy in the Western Conference Finals. The hand pass. Okay. So. They review almost everything in sports now. Mm -hmm. And so for our, fan, our listeners who weren't watching, San Jose was down a goal with like 17 seconds left in the game. They scored a tie it up Can against St. Louis. we cue up some violin music while you're telling this And story? they go to overtime. Series was tied 1-1 before overtime. San Jose has the puck. They score a goal on what should have been called a hand pass, whistled down. 
the goal was the play was not called dead, and apparently you can't review for a hand pass. And you can was, review the goal, but you can't review what happened going up to the goal. And so it was to the point where FanDuel actually refunded bets on the money line because of the decision and how it was made. Well, so now now replays ruin gambling. Yes. Twice. Yes. First the horse race, and now this. So they're going to likely make changes. I mean, they, you can't have that happen. Then get rid of replay. That's not going to be what they're going to do. They're going to do more replay. Ooh. And so how do Yay. you how do you react to that? You are not a replay guy. No. Would you? Because they can't get it. Because there's always. You can always find another way to use it, and and if you're not going to use it for everything, which I am not a proponent of, proponent of, then don't use it for anything. And and it, we can all accept that there is a human element to a human game, or every sport. And I'm okay with it. So you can accept that. Yes, I can. And, and if if somebody makes a call wrong on one of my teams, I can complain about it. And it's just something to discuss. I have a hard time accepting if you have the ability to get it right, that you accept getting it wrong just to say that you... It's it's the human element. It happens. But that's the whole point of technology is that you don't need the human element. You have the ability to get it right. Then why don't we just bring in robots to play the sports and then everybody will complete every pass and every goal will go in and... There are ways to... You know, it's not like you go someplace and the robot prepares your meal. You can order it on a touchpad. Like, there's ways to implement technology where you don't take away the core of what's done. So I I actually Well, but see, okay. So this has nothing to do with sports, but uh, I don't agree with doing the touchpad thing at a restaurant because it takes away a waiter or waitress's job. I'm not even questioning whether that is. It's Uh a question of, do you get it right or wrong? These are gazillion dollar industries now. They are embracing embracing gambling as leagues themselves Uh and trying to profit and make money. To say that you are going to embrace that piece of it Uh and then say, sorry, human error, those two will not go together. It happens. It, it's you. It will not so, happen. So are are you okay with now? You, I don't know if you saw the Atlantic League in baseball is now going to implement the uh, the electronic strike zone. No, I don't like the. What, well, because, what, where did you draw the line? Because you're you're totally taking the human element out. It's I I would like. Well, but to, the, but okay. So what happens if you're now down to three two bottom of the ninth, uh, down by run, bases loaded situation. And the umpire calls a a, a ball a, a strike a ball. A Why strike. can't the manager get a review on that? Huh? Why can't the manager get a review? Why do you have to take the whole element out? You go to the well, extreme. Why, of, why have the review? Why not just get it right the first time and not have the umpire there? Because then you would totally. A- take And that by out the way, the to Phil and Gary, I am not endorsing this at all. No, so you don't. Ahead. You don't like that at all. Yeah. And I understand you don't like it at all. Right. I, I'm not like you watch the Phillies game now. Yeah. They have the box up on the screen. You hate that, don't you? I do. By the way, the because the box isn't even right it's half the time. Never right. Yeah, because because here's the deal with the box. The ball can go in the box. the The thing that JT Realmuto is best at in the game of baseball framing is framing pitches. Yeah, he is great at it. But I can tell you that half of those balls that they call strikes, he is pulling back into the zone. The computer's not fixing that. I, I know it's hard to find a balance, but I have a hard time explaining when something is that plain to see that there's no ability to get it right. 
to just accept the fact that you know it's wrong. I want to like, go back to fuzzy TVs when you couldn't see all of this stuff. Do you just want a transistor radio where you can't even watch it? I mean, we could go back to that if that I'm good with better. That. Uh, I'm going to leave it there. I, I can't even with you. You really are. I only that. said that just to, hey, just you to kids, tweak you. Get off my lawn. Uh, let's move to some Eagles. Uh, Carson Wentz looking like he's going to get an extension potentially before the start of the season. You, Shocker. You okay with that? Why not? He's your quarterback. Why would you not? He's your quarterback. What's, what you, what's the downside? They need to extend him. Right. They, they, uh-huh. My bigger concern yeah. is the Jets dumpster fire that's going on right Why now. Why do you care about the Jets because dumpster fire? Because I have concerns the that Jets Joe, are always a dumpster I fire. I have concerns that Joe Douglas will be poached from the Eagles front office okay. to be their GM. Now, my saving grace is that Adam Gase looks like he has decision making power there. <laughs> and if you're Joe Douglas, why would you want to go Hence work for Adam Gase? the reason the dumpster Gase? fire will continue. Yeah, they traded a number one pick from Here, last year for a sixth round pick right after they fired Here's him. the amazing thing about the Jets' latest dumpster fire is that they let the general manager Thank you. go through the draft. Yes. Pick the players. Yes. Sign Le'Veon Bell. Yes. Which apparently was like an issue internally between them that the yeah, coach didn't want which to is going to be really awkward because Le'Veon Bell doesn't get along with people anyway and n- now he knows supposedly that the coach didn't want him I saw somebody say that it was a really successful day for Adam Gase he got the general manager fired he pissed off his superstar he um traded away a first round draft pick from the prior year for a sixth round pick and now nobody likes him yeah. <laughs> was, but he got interim GM as his title. He's not going to be the GM though. Do you have concerns about the Bring Eagles back front? Rich o- Do you have concerns about the Eagles front office? No. If Joe Douglas is out of there, no. Because he's one of the people who I think has been key to mining some of the talent that they have found later in drafts. Is Joe Douglas good enough to be a general manager? Yes. Well, then, I think he is. Is he going to be a general manager here? No. Okay. Well, because Howie's here, that's but right. that's not so because the, he's not good enough to be a GM. Right. So, so he deserves his chance. Uh, Eagles extends Stefan Wisniewski for a year, signed Cody Kessler to be a backup quarterback. Any of those get your attention? No. I thought Wisniewski's uh, signing was important for line depth, yeah, given the injuries uh, they've had and Brandon Brooks coming off of an injury, and you never know when Jason Peters is going to go out on yeah, a play. Yeah, he's a good extra piece to have. Yeah, so I thought that was a Cody good Cody Kessler means nothing. Doesn't, doesn't do anything no. for you. Uh, are you excited for football in May, or can you not get into it until training camp opens? Oh, I thought you were talking about the XFL. <laughs> no, but they're signing like a bunch of big-name coaches, and they got a TV deal that's pretty good. There were some big-name coaches in the other league, whatever it was Yeah, but that other weeks. league didn't have a deal with ABC and ESPN. And, I mean, They had that, some. Didn't they have it with NBC? CBS Sports, but it was oh. on a sports network. This is going to be on... Like the ESPN networks and I mean they've got a pretty no, good. I'm not excited for football. It's warm weather. Deal. It's Are you gonna? Time. Would you watch the XFL? If I had nothing better to do, sure. I'm just interested to see what innovations they have. Last last time they did it, it was the Skycam. No, last time they did it, it was He Hate Me. No, that's the only thing I remember from the XFL. I know is that's one the, player named He Hate Me. I know that's the only thing you remember, but literally the Skycam oh, became a fixture in sports broadcast now, yeah. and that started. In the XFL. I think in the AFL, what you're going to see is the way I they did replays. I to give Vince McMahon any credit for anything. Of course you do. So let's go to extra time before we run out we've, of time. We've got some extra time. The Philadelphia Union are currently 7-3-2. and two. They're in second place with 23 points. DC United has 24, but the Union have played one less game. They are the highest scoring team in the Eastern Conference, just under two goals a game. They beat Toronto last Saturday night on the in road. In Toronto. They did. Okay, so... And by the way, did you watch the game? Yes. Jose Altidore. Yeah, he got suspended, didn't he? Or he got He is a big man. <laughs> he is a big man. 
I would not want him coming down and trucking into you on a on a side. He's the guy that when someone bumps into him, the guy that goes down is actually injured instead of faking it. <laughs> Did you expect the Union to go up to Toronto and and keep their winning streak going? No, especially with their third goalie. I mean, th- this goalie situation's been nuts. Andre and Blake somehow is- they they keep winning and and fingers crossed, Andre Blake will be back this week. He will be back this week, and they will be back at and home. And they need him. They do. The oh. Seattle Sounders have lost one game all season. They did play earlier this week, and they lost one of their better players to an injury. Mm-hmm. So it'll be interesting to see who's on the field. Um, the union continue to just roll players out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't matter who it is. They come in waves. They, they have a lot of depth. Uh, and and they just keep winning. Are you, are you gonna? Well, you're not gonna get there Saturday night because you're gonna be at Beth Page. No, but I'm hoping that we can go uh, the next week and cover it. They're gonna play playing the Portland Timber. Okay. Is it Timber or Timbers? Why do you ask me questions? I don't on know. The air? But we're hoping to have on uh, Tommy Smith and uh, JP Della Camera. We're definitely before that game. We're so, definitely so that gonna... that'll be a lot of fun leading up to that game. And everybody, uh, if you're around, should go out. This is a team that's definitely worth going and seeing they're in they're technically in first place in my mind because they have a game in hand they are um but they are so much fun to watch and the whole experience they, they put on a great show and then on sunday you're gonna rush back so that you and i can uh, moderate a little discussion about baseball aren't you jeff uh, yeah it's gonna be a lot of running around yeah, you're doing a lot of driving uh this uh-huh. weekend is the philadelphia premiere for the heading home movie the tale of the israel baseball team yeah it actually starts tonight so it's at the Ritz Landmark in Philadelphia. There's shows tonight, all day tomorrow, and then Sunday. And Jason and I will be. Please come down and, and check us out and come talk to us. We're gonna have we're gonna be there for the five o'clock show, and then we're gonna have a discussion with Sam Fold, who was one of the star players of Team Israel, um, and is now in the Phillies organization in the front office, and one of the directors, Seth Kramer, and we'll be there for the last two shows of the day. Should be a good time. Uh, also, Jeff, uh, news that just came across from the NBA. Uh-oh. Tyreek Evans banned from the NBA for violating the anti-drug program can apply again in two years for reinstatement. I didn't know he was still in the league. Me. <laughs> <laughs> we have similar reactions when we don't even talk about things. Jeff, any last thoughts before we say goodbye? Come on, give me something good. You got a, got a couple seconds here. Profound, Jeff. Profound? Yes. I got nothing. That was profound. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining us this week. Make sure to join us next Friday night to help you start your weekend in style. Have a great one, and we'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye.